Hi everyone, welcome to Hudshots episode 264. In this episode, we talk about social monitoring in HubSpot, reporting on meetings, and avoid being sent to spam, plus solving for the problem. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing, and now operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm really well, and wow, what a jam-packed episode we have again tonight. And I just want to say thank you, Ian, for making this happen. So listeners, some days I'm so tired, and I just don't have the will <laughs> to get through. I've said this before on the show, Ian, if it wasn't for you, I would have gone, nah, I'm going home. <laughs> But you get me through with all your energy and positivity, so I'm thankful for that. And I think we've got a good show ahead. That's right, we do. I'm just going to reiterate what Craig said. There are days when I get really stuck because I get really busy, and Craig has sometimes done a lot of the show notes, so I'm very grateful that Craig sometimes does that for us. And it's teamwork, right? And we work well together. And if you haven't heard, we often... uh, now that we don't see each other because of what's going on. But we usually sit sit together over coffee and we prepare the show notes. We talk about what's happened over the week. Now what we do is we jump on Zoom or on FaceTime and we still have coffee or tea and we prepare the notes together. And it sometimes takes us hours because we test stuff and we try things out. But that's how we do this. I know people often ask us, how on earth do you come up with stuff every week? and Craig, can you believe it? We're after inbound 2021. It's our six. We're just past our six year anniversary. I know. And you know what? I was, because we're going to talk about this in a minute. Um, I was looking back in our inbound thought of the week, which is about solve for the problem. And it reminded me that we discussed this with Kip Bodnar, who's CMO of um, marketing at HubSpot, way back in 2016 when we interviewed him. That was actually in episode 40, one of our really early episodes. And yeah, that's five years plus ago. Time flies. I know. So let's start with our growth thought of the week. And it's all about solving for the problem. I've been reminded of this, that successful people solve better problems. And just as an an aside, unsuccessful people actually try to avoid problems altogether. But I think it's helpful to consider, well, uh, this might sound a bit trite, but to consider life as a game, really, and it's about, so- it's about puzzle solving. So you're solving puzzles. So the key to marketing success is understanding your next best step. What's the next best thing that you should do? And the key to understanding what your next best step is, is to understand what your current problem is. And here's where I refer back to episode 40, where we interviewed Kip Bodnar. And he talked about this very principle, solve for the problem. And so I was reminded of this just in the past week. We were chatting with one of our clients and they've suddenly got to be in their bonnet about increasing their blog activity and got to increase our rankings and all this kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's always a good thing. But why? What's driving this? Oh, we've got to increase our rankings. Yeah, but why? Oh, well, you know, we just want to get more traffic. Okay, but Why? And so we went on the question of why, you know, how you do the six whys. It's almost ended up like that. Turns out they don't have a traffic problem. They actually have a lead conversion problem, actually getting to talk to them in as sales qualified leads. And so we're, I'm trying to actually say, let's focus on that. And while they're trying to say, no, we need more traffic. So uh, 
it's a classic example of where you are in having your problem. Is it top of the funnel, middle or bottom? They've got a very much a bottom of the funnel problem. And so this is just a reminder. And the reason I wanted to talk about it as growth thought of the week is because it's timeless. We've been talking about this for six plus years. It's still a problem we run into every week with clients. And so listener, maybe this is a reminder to you just to check what actually is the next best problem that you need to solve because that's your next best step. That's right. And if you haven't got the show notes, there's lots of goodies in there. So you should subscribe at hubshots.com slash subscribe. I'd be really interested if people resonate with that image that I've stuck in there or whether I'm just showing my age. (laughs) All right. On to our quick shots of the week, Craig. And here are a few quick items of interest. First one is Academy app is now in the mobile HubSpot app. And I don't know why they call it Academy app, but it should be the Academy Resource Center, right? That's essentially what it is. And that's available in the HubSpot yeah, app now. Basically, you can do HubSpot Academy courses on, from the HubSpot mobile app on iPhone and Android. And I think this is a good move, by the way, because we tend to do so much learning on our phones. I know I've mentioned many times on the show, I just watch so many YouTube videos these days. And uh, I have YouTube Premium, so I don't see the ads. I couldn't stand it with the ads, but I'm learning so much on my phone. I think that's normal behavior. People have Coursera and Udemy and all these other apps, they're learning on their phone. So it makes sense that the HubSpot Academy courses would be available on the phone. But I think you're right. I think they should be splitting it out into separate app. Uh, and I wonder in time if they will do that, exactly that. Maybe this is the test, Craig. I think so. It's probably a test. Just check whether people actually do engage with it. And if so, make it into a dedicated app. My bet is that it will be getting a strong response and we'll end up that. that. And the next one is you can create contacts, companies and deals via the Slack integration. So listeners, we tried this out. And obviously, if someone exists, you'll get a failure. Yeah, you actually get an error. You don't get a nice message or anything. Correct. It says, fail to create contact. Please try again. And that might be an indication that it already exists. But apart from that, quite very simple to do. And I quite liked it just from Slack, bang, uh, you, you use your slash command, bang, create new contacts, start typing it in, done. Very simple. All right. On to HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And we're talking about HubSpot social monitoring. I thought we'd just do a really simple tip. And this is HubSpot social. So if you manage your social from HubSpot, you've probably seen this, but if you don't, oh, by the way, this is pro and above, HubSpot marketing pro and above. If you're managing, you've connected your social channels and you're managing social, if you just go to the monitor tab, you'll actually see that you can look at things such as interactions and new Twitter followers. So I'd kind of already always known this was there, but I just kind of revisited it today. I was like, yeah, this is actually really handy because not only can see who's followed, you could actually follow them back as the account. So you can, so if you've got multiple accounts connected, you can choose the account. You can even reply to them. So I've got a little screenshot showing you there how easy it is to do. So just a tiny little tip. I don't think the social tool in HubSpot gets much uh, attention these days and it's kind of overlooked. So there's maybe something to check it out. All right, on to HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is reporting on meetings. And in this little case study we have, we were trying to find out to see how effective particular meetings were over our calendar month where we were running a campaign and understanding the sources that the meetings were being booked from. 
So we use the reporting tool or the customer report tool. And so we've created it. And so we've shown you how to do it. But there were multiple meetings. And so you will see in there, we say we want it by meeting and we want to do by count and the source of the meeting booking. And then what we did was we also broke that down by the source of the meeting booking. And that's how we did it. So we've got how to configure it and how to filter it and what it looks like and what the results potentially you will get. But a good one to find out, especially if you've got lots of meeting links and you're tracking stuff. So there you go. Yeah. So a few comments on this, because I know you took a fair while to go through and look at the various options and to put this report together. So listeners, when you see it in the show notes, good screenshots Ian's put in here to show a very nice, simple graph of meetings by a source. But in some ways that belies how difficult it was. It took you quite a bit of uh, experimentation to get to this report, which is why those other screenshots with how you've put it together are so useful. The thing about this, it, it almost begs to be made into a little video, but unfortunately to get enough data, this is one of your clients that you've actually yes. used because we don't have enough data really in our own portal to do this. Love to be able to do a video, but then you've kind of blurred out, you know, you've tried to anonymize it and keep it clean. So it's hard. We can't do it in a video, but screenshots will at least show you how to do it. And I think, Craig, when I think about the reporting tool, a lot of it I tend to find is a lot of trial to see what results we get or how it's being displayed before we land up on the on the final result. I, I agree. I, and I think the customer report builder, very powerful, but there's there's still a part of it that's not intuitive. And you do have to experiment, as you say, and play with it to work out how to get the result you want. And I compare that to say, because even we, we were trying to use the pivot table version to get it, Compare that to just Excel and putting into a pivot table. It's, you know, it's really easy. Whereas okay. the HubSpot report builder, there's still a complexity to it that they haven't quite um, simplified in, in my opinion. I, I wonder if that'll get easier or, or yeah, it's, it's a difficult problem to solve actually. But once you master it, you can get some really useful reports as you've done here. And I think the great thing is too, that people can get a lot of data out of the system because more and more sources are being made available. So I'm often amazed every time I go in there, there's a new source that you can report on and you can create reports on. So I encourage people, don't be afraid. It sometimes can feel overwhelming, but go in there and start with something small and play around because that's how we've become comfortable with it is by playing around, testing, seeing what doesn't work, you know, modifying it, massaging it, and then coming out and even Craig and myself just sitting down together and working through something. It's amazing what together you can discover and build in the reports. All right, onto HubSpot service feature of the week, Craig. Now, listeners, we're going to talk about custom surveys here. And if you are a subscriber to the show, you would have got a custom survey from us. Oh, actually, it would have come from Craig just before we recorded. So this is earlier in the week. So I encourage you, if you haven't done it, go and find it. But if you haven't, you can wait till the show notes and there'll be a link to a different custom survey that's coming out because there are two kinds of custom surveys we've created. One is triggered from properties that people, the criteria people meet. The second one is just a link. So we can share a link to anybody to fill out a custom survey. 
And by the way, you sent that out just before we started recording and we'd already had a few people responding and some really good feedback yeah. from people. Thank you for that. And some things we didn't realize or weren't aware of and some good ideas. So thank you for that. You know, when people say, oh, we read all your responses. Well, we do. We will read every single one. <laughs> Absolutely. We actually read that we were talking about it while we were preparing the show. So that mm. was exciting. Yeah, thank you. All right. On to HubSpot Workflow Action of the Week, Craig. Oh, my goodness. Another really simple one. So, listeners, we're, we're working with a client because uh, Ian and I, um, we, we do this coaching uh, thing with uh, a few clients now where we're both on the call with them. And what's really good is we get to see each other working with clients. So it's kind of a client gets both of us working and we learn things from each other. And this was such a simple one that you showed me. We're working on a client with a workflow and it had had a branch and then we're creating separate branches and you just showed the client, oh, you know, under the, uh, an action, you can just clone this action. And I was like, oh, wow, show me that. And so in this, uh, we've put a screenshot in the show notes, you can not only clone the action, but you can clone everything after it. And you know, when I saw the thing that said, and you can clone everything after it as well, I went, oh yeah, you know what? We talked about that about 20 episodes ago or something like that. So this is an example of where I knew something and then I completely forgot about it. And then I saw you doing it in action and it reminded me, and I was like, wow, that's such a time saver. And, you know, often where we use it, Craig, is when we are creating, um, like you use an if if branch and you've got multiple branches and you're just checking the same property, but you just have to change the criteria. And instead of going and selecting it, then trying to find the property, you just save all of that hassle and you just go and keep changing the property across. It's fantastic. And then you followed on from that and you said, oh, okay, if there are similar things happening on all these branches you can just use the go to action and get to the end after you've done all this branching. So there is so much of goodness in there that uh, people can learn from. So have a look and try it out if you haven't already used it to save yourself some time. All right, on to the marketing tip of the week, Craig. Share your experience here. All right, so I'm going to talk about the rise of emails being marked as spam. And I'll give an example of why I'm now marking a lot of email as spam example of why I'm getting a lot more emails that I will mark as spam and then why this is becoming the norm and maybe steps to overcome the problem. So first of all, uh, just a quick, I guess, anecdote about what I had. I, I was going through a folder of emails. I use Sane later by Sanebox. I don't know. Do you use that, Ian? No, you showed it to me, but I haven't used it. It's a really nice tool for Gmail. It checks all the emails coming in and based on rules, puts them on into folders. So I've got a same later folder for basically newsletters and all the things that aren't urgent. And I kind of go through every couple of days and check all the newsletters and things that come in. And I normally unsubscribe from a whole bunch of them if they're not relevant. So I've to date have tried to be a good citizen and click unsubscribe links and unsubscribe because I've received them. And I, you know, I don't want to take up their resources sending me stuff I'm not relevant, so I unsubscribe, right? However, I had one this morning. I was just going, oh, yeah, I don't even know what this. Unsubscribe. Click the unsubscribe link. It opened a browser tab, which immediately jumped up or popped up something that tried to install something on my machine. I don't know what it was because my antivirus system caught it and quarantined and deleted it. And, I, well, I think it caught it. It was all gone. I was like, oh, wow. So what I do, I immediately spam the email. But it alerted me to the fact that I had, until now, just trusted unsubscribe links. I get all these 
you know, sometimes quite beautifully designed emails. And I go, oh, yeah, unsubscribe. No, it's not for me. I just trust that the unsubscribe link is going to be fine. Well, this experience was a bit of a wake-up call to me that this was actually a scam email with the whole point was to drive you to click the unsubscribe link and for that to install whatever it was attempting to install. So now, unfortunately, my whole behavior is, well, look, I'm not even going to risk unsubscribing, clicking unsubscribe links. I'm just going to mark them as spam. So that's bad for actually good senders who are sending me stuff. And so my view is kind of, well, if I recognize the brand and I I do remember signing up to them and I don't want them anymore, okay, I probably will try to unsubscribe. But if I don't recognize them, they're going straight into spam. So that's unfair for many of them that really shouldn't be marked as spam, but I'm not going to take the risk. Okay, so that's step one, why I'm spamming or marking as spam a lot more emails. And I agree it's unfair. However, the reason I mention it is because I think a lot of people do this. I don't think I'm the only one. In fact, I think I'm the majority. Most people, when I'm chatting with them, they go, oh, I just mark it as spam. Even though it's not actually spam, unsolicited email, it's because we don't want to take the risk. All right, so that's the first thing. Second thing, why I'm getting more emails. And so I was whinging to you about this, Ian. When I signed up for the inbound conference, the HubSpot conference, there must have been something that said, I give permission for exhibitors or that to email me. And I either ticked it or forgot to opt out or whatever. I don't even remember it. Anyway, so the past week or two after inbound, I've been getting all these emails from, well, exhibitors at inbound saying, you know, now that inbound's over, you know, this and offers. And I'm like, what is all this? I never signed up for this. Well, I probably did. You know, to be fair, I'm sure HubSpot wouldn't have given them my email without my permission. So I've probably done that. Silly me. But I'm getting all these emails. Now, most of them I don't even recognize. They're all being marked as spam. So that's the second thing. That's why I'm getting more because HubSpot sold my email off to all the exhibitors with my permission, apparently. I'm not saying they did anything illegal, but basically that's what happened. And so there's all these vendors getting marked as spam as well. So put those two together. I think we've got a movement of people who are now going to be marking anything that they don't recognize as spam. I don't think I'm unique here. And so we've got this problem where, well, what's if we on the other side, now we're trying to send marketing emails. I'm expecting a lot more people will be marking my emails and my, our clients' emails as spam, even though they're not actually spam. So that brings us to the marketing tip. That was all preamble to say, well, how do we overcome this? Because I think it's going to get worse and worse. And spam rates marked are going to go up. You'll see on your reports, things getting marked as spam. I think that will increase. And that's not really ideal. So how do we counter it? And there's two things. First, I, not that I really checked it, but I wonder how many of these emails that came after the event were actually from their main company portals versus they spin up separate portals just to test sending out. And then if they get quarantined or too many spam, con, you know, they lose that portal. I would say that's the norm. And I would say if I was sending out after event stuff to a pretty cold unreceptive audience, I'd be spinning up another portal for it. I wouldn't be risking the main company portal for it. But the second thing, as I was looking, I was like, well, if a lot of my decision-making is around whether I recognize the brand and I have a trustworthiness association with the brand, I wonder if there's a bit of brand reinforcement that could be done in channels before you're sending out a big email like this to a potentially unengaged audience. So I would actually be looking at some paid social promotion, LinkedIn, Facebook, 
where the banner is just brand awareness. I know brand awareness is kind of the bucket people put stuff in when they don't get results. It's like, oh no, that's brand awareness. I realize that's the case in, in the industry, but here's an example of where it could actually help. You're putting your brand in front of them because you have that email list that you're going to send to. So you use HubSpot's tools to sync that up as an audience in the various social platforms. And then you send them a specific messaging around here's our brand. And I was actually wondering if we put out banners that said, we're going to be sending you an email. (laughs) That blatant. Check out or look for us in your inbox to overcome this kind of brand, I guess, forgetfulness that we have. So that's the, I know that was kind of a long uh, thread there, but the rise of spam, I think it's going to increase further. So we're actually going to have to be looking at tactics that we use for our other channels to build our brand so that we're not all marked as spam. Did that make sense, Ian? I know I went on for a bit of a bit of a rant and a bit of a long thing there, but does the flow make sense? Absolutely, Craig. And I think there's some good suggestions at the end about how to counteract that. Because I'm the same. I didn't realize. I know that I had got some emails from inbound. And I remember you were saying, and I think I've just ignored them because I like we use Gmail, right? So it's gone into promotions. And until you mentioned it to me, I went and searched for inbound 2021 and I found a whole bunch of emails. And you're quite right. And in in terms of understanding how you were saying, I think people were spinning up other portals, it didn't actually look to me like they had. Now, some of them may have, but all the ones that I got seem pretty legitimate, like they were from the original portals. So it is interesting, but I I do like the idea of that brand recognition. Now, I think the big difference is I went to a few sessions at Inbound and I kind of had a poke around, whereas I think you registered but didn't attend anything. So you've actually got zero recall about anybody that you saw there, whereas I had some idea. So but there were still people I got things from that I had no idea who they are and still do, still to this day don't. So I think what you've rightly said is a good first step in warming up that audience of just getting some sort of brand recognition so they don't just go, oh, I'm going to unsubscribe or click spam. And then you can actually have start that conversation with somebody. Now on to our insight of the week, resources versus resourcefulness. We've sat on this for a few weeks now, but we're going to talk about it today. Yeah, this isn't a new idea by any means. I've been reminded of this recently, this whole concept of resources versus resourcefulness, because people will complain or I will complain that I don't have the resources to do a certain thing. I don't have enough budget for doing this campaign or the right tools, that kind of thing. And I've been reminded by mentors and uh, coaches that actually – It's not a lack of resources, it's a lack of resourcefulness that is the difference between success and failure. So with that in mind, I thought, well, let's just chat about some easy ideas when it comes to marketing on how you can be resourceful with HubSpot and marketing activities. Because, And even this morning, we had a prospect we're talking with and they're like, well, we've got no budget and we've got to increase engagement, what could we do? And it's really hard if you've got absolutely no budget when social is pretty much pay to play these days. But then it got me thinking, well, what's some of the ways that we could actually be resourceful? So we've uh, started listing or reminding you just of some of them. Hopefully when you hear them, you're like, oh yeah, well, that's kind of obvious. And so then the question is, oh, so are you actually doing that? Or are you actually just spending a lot of money on some other channels when maybe you don't need to? So I'll kick things off and I'll start 
first of all, talking about email is your friend. Deliberately pick this one because we've just had a whole big discussion about spam and the potential risks that you have with sending email. However, you can use it to reach your existing database. If you can do that in a non-spammy way, i.e. taking the time to write and create useful email updates, then that is your friend. Email, of course, is essentially free in terms of sending it out. The cost is in taking the time to craft emails that are actually useful and relevant to your audience. That takes time. That takes resourcefulness. So you can use it. Email is your friend. What's next? The second one is test and measure is your friend. And we always talk about this and see what you can review and test to improve your results. So some common ones would be reviewing landing pages to improve your conversion rates. And this is really easy to see in HubSpot with the reporting and the analysis. And the other one is reviewing your forms to reduce fields required. So often, like when we were doing our coaching, Craig, people were asking for country, for example. Now, this business does operate in multiple countries, but really we have a lot of this uh, information in HubSpot. We can look at the IP country to get an indicator of where the person is who's inquiring. So that's one field we can potentially take off. And those are two quick things to start off with. What's the third one? Creativity is your friend. I struggle with this one because being creative takes energy. It takes effort. It's actually hard. Well, especially for someone like myself, I'm, I'm quite analytical. So being creative is actually quite hard work for me. Yet, if you work harder, just on things like social banners and the way that the time that you put into featured images and things like that for blog posts, rather than just going with, oh, we're going to go with the standard stock image or we're going to whack something up there, you take the time and be creative. You can do that. That's being resourceful. It doesn't cost you extra. It's actually time and effort on your part. The fourth one is providing value is your friend. And this is where you can look at reviewing your past blog posts. You can update them, make them more useful, and you can send them in future email updates. Another thing that I'd add is I thought about, well, what are the, some of the things that people would be struggling with that we deal with, right? And I asked a really simple question and I sent a one question survey essentially. And I was actually very surprised at the number of people that A, responded, but B, that were so eager to help and give their feedback and even give alternatives to the question I asked. Because I kind of said, well, if you don't, if you, if here's, here's a question I gave to multiple choice questions. And I said, could you ask this better or could you make this better? It was really interesting. About 20% of the people actually came back and said, oh, I would ask this or I would change this to make it a bit more clear. So that was fantastic. And just engage people. And one person said, oh, can you tell me more about this? Who wasn't actually utilizing this service that we offered. And we've spoken about it many a time, but it just got them thinking, hang on, I think I need that. So it, it kind of ended up, as much as I, they were helping me, I'm able to help people in return. The final one is personal connection is your friend. Can you connect one-to-one with people in your network to help and grow businesses together? Now, I mention this because as a marketer, we don't like to think one-to-one. We like to think one-to-many. So if something comes in, it's like, oh, how can we mass reach our audience? And when you don't have a lot of money to put into, say, paid channels for that, 
one-to-one is really where you need to start. And that is hard work as well. It can be time-consuming. You've got to weigh up whether it's actually a good use of your time, of course. But just networking, being involved in other communities, one-to-one connections with other people can often lead to some of the biggest marketing, I guess, tactics and results if you plug away and do a bit each week, plugging away, getting to it, and that is your friend. So there's a bunch of ideas. There's plenty more. Actually, send a reply if you subscribe to the show notes. Tell me what's your one tip for being resourceful. I'd love to hear it. We'll uh, share it in the upcoming show and give you a shout out. All right, on to our throwback of the week, Craig. And can you believe it? A year ago, HubSpot gave us the ability to add contacts to go to webinar with HubSpot workflows. Now, given what's been going on for the last year, I wonder how many people are actually using this considering everyone now uses Zoom. So I find it fascinating, but let's see. All right, here's a good resource of the week, Craig, that you discovered. Zapier has transfer beta. Tell me more. Well, Transfer is their new service. It's in beta, as you mentioned. It's for mass bulk transfer, data transfer between their platforms. So as listeners would know, Zapier has connections to, I think, thousands actually of apps now. And now they're looking at, well, not just the Zap to do on a, on a trigger, now doing mass data transfers between. I think this is incredible. And it's the kind of service that when you hear about, you kind of go, oh, wow, how obvious. How did we not have this before? Thank you, Zapier. It's on the way. Now it's in beta. So they've only got a few launch partners initially in the source that you can pull from. That's Airtable, Facebook, Salesforce, Twitter. Actually, Shopify is in there. And of course, Google apps such as emails and calendar and things like that. You can use the source, but you can push to, I think, thousands of their destination apps. I think this is going to be huge. I've actually signed up for the beta and there's actually a screenshot in the show notes from starting to test with it. I think this is going to be fantastic. I'm just interested in see their full pricing. That'll be coming. Anyway, check it out. I think this could be a great solution for many businesses. And listeners, if you're wondering why do you think this might be important, I know in the not too recent past, we've implemented Zapier for people using other systems to connect them to HubSpot or to connect that into HubSpot. And one of the questions I always get asked is like, oh, it's great. It's working. Fantastic. Now, what about all of those previous transactions that I had? How do I get them into HubSpot, not just from the ones from today? And that is where this service is going to fill that gap and that void and kind of get all the data into the one place at the one time. All right, on to our quote of the week, Craig. Over to you. Well, a big shout out to Peter from Firemate. By the way, nice uh, giving you a full link to Firemate in the show notes. Thanks for sending this quote. I thought this was quite useful because it, it's actually not from Peter, but he's, he's telling us the, the quote from a designer. And the quote is, our job is to give the client on time and on cost, not what they want, but what they never dreamed they wanted, that when they get it, they recognize it as something they wanted all the time. I think that's a really nice approach. And Peter was talking, that's how they're trying to approach it with their clients as well. I think a really good quote, very motivating and a striving for excellence for the customer's experience, their outcome. I think that's good. So thanks, Peter. That's right. I think it's from a book, right? By Tom Peters, The Circle of Innovation. You can't shrink from greatness. All right. We've got some bonus links, Craig. And I would recommend looking at the bonus links, but there are upcoming shots that we're going to talk about and it's to do with iOS 15 email engagement effects 
and how to prepare or how you should be preparing as people are upgrading. So I think last time I looked, the adoption of iOS 15 was about 20% of the user base. And that is probably increasing day by day as people buy more devices that come pretty loaded with iOS 15. So well worth having a look. We've got three great links Two from the community. One is from uh, a post that HubSpot talks about how it could affect marketers. And one from actually one of the HubSpot product team called Tom Monahan. And he says, let's talk about iOS 15 and see what people are experiencing and what we can do. So I think these are often overlooked resources, especially if you're marketing and you're a bit time poor, you don't necessarily go into this. And it's really encouraging to see that there are so many people out there helping one another. And the HubSpot community is another great place to go to. So I would encourage you to read about it, be educated, because as this rolls out, it's going to affect more and more of us and how we're going to analyze the data and also report on it to people that care about those kinds of things. Anything else, Greg? No, I just think that's, I think it's going to be big and... This has been on a, in our back pocket for the last couple of weeks, but I want to do full testing so I can actually show the results because it's not only iOS 15, it's people who are using Apple Mail on iOS 15. And so we're going to do some testing just to check how that affects engagement, open rates, and ideally ways to get around that uh, in terms That's of right. reporting. And I guess, Craig, we're not just talking iOS 15, we're talking iPadOS, macOS, everything related to Apple is probably got a level of this in there. so Yeah, and when you're using the Apple Mail. So it, it wouldn't affect if you're in Gmail on your iPhone, but it would if you're in Apple Mail. Yep. All right. Well, listeners, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. Again, if you have got that survey from us, please feel free to fill it out. We love to hear from you. And never know, we might have to might have a big long list of shout outs on the show, Craig. And we love to hear from you. Please connect with myself on LinkedIn. And if you want to connect with Craig, just reply to the email and he will reply back to you. Well, listeners, until next time. And Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at HubShots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.